heavy track today. Yeah, not vibing risky lettuce, getting sinker vibes. I don't know, says on the Tab app she's firming. Don't just vibe it, get expert tips in Tab's new race feed. Tab, we're on. What are you really gambling with? Hey, let's have a chat to Daniel O'Sullivan because we know Daniel's the ratings guru and it'll be fascinating to see how his figures um, have rated this year's Cox Plate, which was one of the great finishes. Uh, Dan- Daniel, good morning. How are you? Yeah, morning, guys. Really good, thanks. Uh, we've been talking about what a great spectacle the race was. From a, a ratings point of view, how did this year's Cox Plate come out? Oh, look, I think, yeah, it was a great spectacle. I mean, an amazing race and an amazing finish. Um, pre-race, it looked like there was six or seven horses that could have won or you could have backed. And even post-race, I see people make the arguments for six or seven horses that, you know, may have been alternative winners of the race. Um, look, in a rating sense, it's got Mr. Uh, sorry, Romantic Warrior 105. So uh, Animo last year, 105.8. State of Rest 106, Sir Dragon A 106, uh, Ligrissa 108, and then we go back to the Wings era. So, look, uh, to be honest, I think it was a little below the, the typical sort of Cox Plate standard, not massively, maybe sort of half a length behind the, the last three years. Um, I think that's reflected also in the compressed margins back through the field. I think the seventh horse was beaten 1.7 uh, lengths. Normally, typically, sort of on a median or average, the seventh horse is sort of anywhere between four and six lengths uh, off the off the winner, um, even if you take out the, the Winks additions of the Cox Plate. So, yeah, look, from, from that perspective, from a ratings nerd or an objective perspective, it's probably a little bit below um, what we've seen typically from the Cox Plate. But, yeah, that, that shouldn't take away from the, the spectacle of the race because it was, yeah, an amazing event and, yeah, it just shows why, in my opinion, it's the best race on the calendar every year. So if it's half a length behind um, Animo last year, how do you think for Romantic Warriors' history of his runs, does that stack up? Danny Shum said he was 95% fit. Uh, he'll improve heading over to the Hong Kong races. So where would you rate romantic warriors performance against some of the ones that we've seen over in hong kong yeah that's really interesting because on his on his previous best form i've got him sort of between 107 and 108 um with a couple of 106s so that would sort of 107 is probably just over a length beyond like 1.2 lengths above his 105 so um yeah even without hearing that i would have said that that wasn't the best of romantic warrior that we've seen at home even though it was still very good uh, so, yeah, it's really interesting that you, you make those comments. Um, all I can say is that my figures would would endorse that. And I suppose, Dan, to not offset uh, the sort of beaten margins by some of those in behind, but the SPs of those horses that have finished one, two, three would would give it a bit of a plus, though, from that point of, in point of view of rating the race. I, yeah, that's true. I mean, I think on the day the three best horses called out the finish, um, although as... I heard you guys talking before. There were, there were a couple of unlucky runners, um, Jewess especially. Um, who knows what militarised would have done uh, with a different position, um, Fangirl to, to Electric, then I think. Um, but yeah, look, it, it's a great race. I mean, if you remember back last year, the likes of Alligator Blood and Mr. Brightside were a step off Animo. Um, and I mean, they've been racing terrific form this preparation, but we always have to sort of keep in context that we have had a reduction in, in depth in those weight grades ranks this, 
this season, even with a horse like I'm Thunderstruck um, no longer on the scene. So, yeah, sometimes it can, it can be a bit misleading when we look at the races and, and we think these horses are, are even better than they were last year. I think they're just very, very small amount better. Um, as I said, those horses fighting out the finish of the Cox Plate if we compare to last season. Um, intuitively, that said, it was maybe just a fraction off what we've seen in the past. And, and when you go through the process of all the measures and checks and balances, it, it says a similar thing. But um, look, yeah, as I said before, that shouldn't take away from, from the events. I mean, that type of measure is more for people that are seriously uh, into assessing the, the actual quality rather than just enjoying the event itself. Yeah, I think that sums up the... The might of the Cox Plate is that it doesn't really matter if they're fading or they don't rate world class. It's more about the race and the event and the cauldron and all that sort of stuff. Hey, I know the figures probably won't back this up, but in my mind, I've don't. I think I've never seen a better sprinter than since Black Caviar than, than Imperatriz. But I know the nature strips and that'll rate high. Where, where does she? Where is she? And where is she heading, Imperatriz? Yeah, so she ran 108 on on Saturday, which which equals her her past peak. I mean, you know that that's really you know at the bottom end of what I call world class. So that's not to sort of take anything away. But yeah, look, the, the likes of Nature Strix, uh, sort of 110, 111, uh, even Classic Legend when he won the Everest. Um, but yeah, I mean, she certainly between the, the best of most sprinters we've, we've seen uh, these days and even in past couple of years and, and those you know seriously elite horses like Nature Street uh, and obviously Black Caviar's in, in a different realm to, to them again. So, what were her, uh, Just out of curiosity, what, what was Black Caviar compared to Nature Strip and that group and then back to where Imperatriz is and, and maybe going higher? But just remind us how high Black Caviar was to give us some context. Yeah, so Black Caviar... Um, she had quite a number of 115s on my scale, and I think 117 might have been her top. Um, so if I think of Nature Strip, I think he was around 112 uh, on his absolute best, and he had a number of 110 performances. So um, just uh, you know, five points between Black Caviar's best and Nature Strip, you're sort of looking at about 2.2 lengths. Um, so I think, yeah, Nature Strip at, at his absolute best and Black Caviar at her best is about two lengths between them. Big margin uh, in the sprints, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's right. I mean, that, that highlights the might uh, of, of Black Caviar, I guess. It's nature strict, um, even though Matic at times through his career, uh, in, in the later years there, where, where he really hit his straps, I mean, he was a serious world-class uh, horse. Uh, so nature strip at his best to imperatories at the moment, uh, say about 1.6 lengths. Um, so, what yeah. About- uh, just, just more recently, what about think about it? I, I mean, she's been winning very softly. Saturday was a walk in the park for her. Um, what about the ratings with uh, think about it in the Everest? Yeah, so it was lower. The Everest uh, 105 off the top of my head without looking it up. So Imperatrice is going about 1.2 uh, lengths better than the nose horses went in the Everest. So I think that's, as I said, it's, you know, saying she's below nature studio, that's not taking anything away from her because I think mm. she is rightfully the best sprinter in the country at the moment. Um, she's now put a bank of ratings together, um, albeit all at Mooney Valley, but that's where she's been racing. Uh, she couldn't have been more impressive, really. So, yeah, I think at the moment she she comfortably holds the margin as the best sprinter in the country. Uh, and even going back, I think I made mention of this when she uh, won her first race at Mooney Valley this prep, that that performance was better than... Uh, the best of I uh, giga kick, uh, giga kick, and I wish I win from from the autumn. So 
um, that run, I think it was the McEwen, it might have been established her as, as at least one performance higher rating than those two horses from the autumn, and, and she's only gone on to confirm that in her subsequent wins. Just a quick one. Um, did you catch Equinox yesterday in his performance? Uh, 155.2 for the 2000, took 0.9 off the track record, fifth straight group one. And I know the timing's done a little differently over in Japan, mm. but still, it's just a freakish set of figures. Yeah, I mean, he's a super horse. I mean, oh, you know, I'm always on the front foot saying with times, you have to be... Um, you know, really careful in terms of we say, oh, 155 and records here are around the two-minute mark or, or a little under that. You obviously can't compare like with like and, and track records on the day are as much as a function as, as the conditions uh, and, and the pace in the race as they are about the quality of horses. I mean, many, many track records in Australia on metro tracks are not held by the best horses we've ever seen race there. Um, but look, yeah, there's no doubt that, that Equinox is, is right up there uh, as, as probably the best horse in the world at the moment. Oh, I would have him and, and the French three-year-old acing pack who won the arc sort of very, very similar, to be honest, um, even though Equinox is now, you know, doing it sort of multiple times. So, yeah, it's just great to see that the seriously elite horses race and, and we always have to remember that we're lucky to see them because um, they, they don't stay around forever and, and sometimes it can be a little bit of a wait in between those champions that, that come through. And Daniel, just one quick one. Uh, without notice, I thought, the run of Gold Trip was was beautiful in a lead-up to a Melbourne Cup, similar to last year's. Uh, is he rating better than he was 12 months ago in his runs so far this spring? Um, he definitely is uh, in terms of his lead-up form. But the Melbourne Cup, for me, is still his peak performance, 106. Uh, in the Turnbull, I had him running 104. So at that distance, it's about a length and a half off. Um, and I think in the Caulfield Cup, he was virtually on par with his Turnbull run and, and on Saturday just a little bit short of that, obviously back in trip and up to a firmer track, um, perhaps not as ideal for him. So, oh, look, I'd say he's right on track for the Melbourne Cup to you know, perhaps repeat that 106 that he ran last year. That, that would be my forecast at this stage. Um, whether that's going to be good enough to win with that weight, we'll, we'll sort of have to see. It'd certainly be extremely competitive and, and could win. Um, but yeah, historically, I'd expect the Melbourne Cup to be to be one in a rating a little bit higher than, than what he might do with that weight if he matches his 106. Um, but look, yeah, he certainly turned up 12 months later with, with a great chance, um, and without uh, looking back at the detail, probably you know as good a chance as, as any we've seen uh, maybe since Maccabi Diva to, to do the double um, to, to to win two in a row because often yeah, it's, it's not often. I think we see horses sort of get there the next year in the type of shape he is to, to um, repeat the dose. So, yeah, it's going to add a lot of excitement to, to what's already looking like a great race. No doubt about that. Daniel, great to get your context as far as how the Cox Plate and other horses have rated. Appreciate your time as always. No worries, guys.